As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. It's Hogan Johnson. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin for a month. I would be honored if you played football for this team. The football gods are always on the Bears' shoulder. Go Bears! Boy, that escalated quickly. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Ho. Are there any signs that there's a bigger issue of disrespect? Is Jordan Love bad? And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. It's clear to me that they're going to make him earn that left tackle spot. There's some good signs there. It's okay to be excited. It's The Adams. The Adams converge. Hogan Johns. And we are underway. Take two. We'll do it live this time. What's up? It was meant to be this way. Yeah. You knew it. I knew it. Everyone knew it. Uh, welcome in, everyone. Uh, live edition of Hogan Jaws. The Bears have a head coach. We are here to discuss. Uh, we were in the middle of recording a, uh, a podcast earlier this morning, um, which was more about Dan Quinn, if we're being honest. And uh, right in the middle of that podcast, the uh, texts and tweets, all kinds of stuff started rolling in. Um, and it was Matt Eberflus. So, you know, quite frankly, we deserved it, Johnsy. We were sitting there bragging about how we got a good night's sleep last night and how good we, <laughs> how good we were feeling. And, we you were. know, now we're, now we're on like our third or fourth cup of coffee trying to get through the last few hours. I just filled up, yeah. ready to go. Um, we're just still going to bring up some of the things we talked about on that now forever lost episode of Hogan Johns. I still yeah. think there's some important points to bring up, especially <laughs> uh, the ones that our guests had made about Dan Quinn. But... We are now on to the Ma- Eberflus era. Eberflus. Eberflus. That flows right off the tongue, doesn't it? Yes, it is Eberflus, by the way, everyone, which I've already heard like three sports radio callers screw up. I'm sure that'll continue for as long as he is the head coach. Um, and, well, welcome in. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Plenty of reaction and uh, coverage already on Twitter and as well on theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns from Johnsy. I have a quick reaction up on NBCSportsChicago.com, and there is plenty more to come there the rest of the day. Um, you can also uh, find our merchandise on obviousshirts.com. And you already know if you're watching this live, you should be subscribed to our YouTube channel. 
and uh, hit the notification button to find out when we go live. And if you're listening to this later as a podcast, you could have watched us live um, had you been uh, subscribed to YouTube and available to watch. So we appreciate everyone here, though. We will take some questions from listeners, uh, viewers, as we did the other day when the Bears hired Ryan Poles. So uh, we'll knock some of those out here in a little bit, too. But, Johnsy, just give me your initial reaction here. He comes with, like, his recommendation list is good, especially yep. if you got this Bears nostalgic side to you. Chris Ballard, I know you perked up whenever that name is, is said. Um, he was pounding the table for the guy. Rod Marinelli is his primary NFL influence, his mentor. So that alone, if you're into the Bears nostalgic side of things, that's a positive. But, of course, with every first year, first-time head coach. There's going to be concerns about building a coaching staff, game management, timeouts, all that stuff comes into play. Yeah, it's just different. You know, you don't you don't know it until you do it um, when, when you go this route with a first-time head coach. So, very different discussion than what we were having this morning uh, about Dan Quinn in the episode that uh, didn't even get finished because the Matt Eberflus news broke. Um... And, and a lot of that discussion was, okay, Dan Quinn's done this. He made mistakes. We were running through his mistakes. Some of his offensive coordinator hires were mistakes. And then he had a really good one named Kyle Shanahan. That was his first time, uh, his first OC hire. And, and so there's really, you don't know how it's going to go until it happens. And there are plenty of examples of first-time head coaches working out as well. Um, Lovey Smith. You know, yeah, Lovey Smith. I mean, you know. They don't win a Super Bowl, but he proved to be able to do the job relatively quickly. Um, and uh, I do put stock in recommendations. Um, by the way, I see that call, that comment, Nolan. We got live call, comments going in. He said, uh, does Adam Hogue have the best hair in Chicago now that Ryan Pace is gone? Oh, Do you? I don't know. No. <laughs> Probably not. It's definitely not Kevin Fishbane. Need to have hair? Uh, probably not. Wow, that was just a... Shots fired. That was a tough shot. Just sideswipe Fishbait for no reason. <laughs> He's not even here. <laughs> He's probably watching, though. Wow. Um, I mean, Kevin can jump in if he wants to. If he is watching, I'd be happy to talk to him. Um, the hair won't really be there, though. You're right. Well, I don't even remember what I was talking about before. <laughs> Well, honest, let's no. let's run down the, the timeline of things. All yeah. right. So the the Bears scheduled for this week. This is the way it went. It was Tuesday. Ryan Pohl, second interview. Jim Caldwell, second interview. Wednesday, they had Matt Eberflus's second interview. And Monty Osenforts, he is the Titans director of player personnel. His second interview was set for Wednesday. I think everything changed when George McCaskey happened to pick up Ryan Poles at the airport on Monday night. Yep. I mean, that that itself is a strong indication of how McCaskey feels about this GM candidate. Tuesday morning, Ryan Poles gets the job. He, he interviews Jim Caldwell that afternoon. Also added that afternoon is Dan Quinn to the Bears interview list for Wednesday. Monte Alsenfort is no longer on that list for obvious reasons. So Wednesday happens. You have Eberflus in the morning. You have Quinn in the afternoon into the early evening. And then you have a break. Come Thursday morning, 
First, you have the Nathaniel Hackett news out of Denver that he is now the Broncos' new head coach. And then you have the Eberflus news breaking while we're recording a podcast. But that's kind of the timeline of things. And if you want to go back further in the timeline, like Eberflus interviewed on the 19th. That was his first interview, January 19th. Two days later, no, he interviewed on the 17th. Two days later on the 19th, the Bears asked him for uh, back for a second interview. Two days after that, on the 21st, is Ryan Poles' first interview. So if you're into the logistics of things, the timeline of things, that's how it played out for the Bears, if you can understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, if you want to get picky and nitpick the process, uh, it would maybe sound a little bit better had Matt Eberflus been invited back for a second interview, like the same day that Ryan Poles interviewed, or maybe the day after. Uh, and then maybe you could point to, oh, then maybe Ryan Poles like Matt Eberflus. He was already a finalist before Poles was interviewed. Yeah. So that part, I don't, you know, doesn't look great. But look, I do believe that this was not, this was not a situation Correct. where he was forced right. on the Ryan Poles. Um, I think it was maybe a coincidence that the search committee had identified, like Eberflus had a good interview, right? And, and, just like Ryan Poles did. Just like everyone who ever gets hired. Um, and this isn't Jonathan Baker's commenting. This isn't a meatball take. This is the logistics of things, of how they played out by date for the Chicago Bears, unless he's talking about the other commenter. Yeah, sometimes it gets confusing because you you realize that they're actually talking to each other and not for us, but... You know what we? I, you know what, Johns? I thought that reporting, that timeline, was very meatballish of you. How dare you report facts of when people interviewed? What are you doing? When they came in, um, but to hit on what you were talking about or getting to before I interrupted, uh, of course, head coaching candidates came up in a conversation with Ryan Pole. So they're not. I mean, how do they not? Of course, teams are going to ask these GM candidates about their list of head coaching candidates. It is like probably the most important conversation they have. And clearly some stars aligned at some point between the Bears and Ryan Poles. And there was one change made that I think is very important as you lay out the timeline. Eberflus' second interview was originally scheduled for Monday. And that got pushed back to Wednesday because the general manager was in the process of being put in place. So, you know, if they had interviewed Eberflus before Ryan Poles got hired for a second time, I mean, you know, like the second inter- that that would have been a little weird and hard to understand. But look, there's some there's some real there's some real connections here. Absolutely. Between Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. So let's lay out some of that for you. OK, first of all, Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, worked in Kansas City before he went there, worked with Ryan Poles. They know each other well. Chris Ballard, I know for a fact, was pushing for Matt Eberflus, was was giving him strong recommendations, um, and so that carried some weight. There's one connection. Another one is, and I love this, so Trace Armstrong happens to be their agent, right? Trace Armstrong, and we've been talking about a couple times, a lot of people want Trace Armstrong to be the Bears' like top guy. Well, maybe he is right now while holding on to his I don't know. Is it a billion dollar business at this point? The way he's closing some of these contracts, uh, his his agency is the top coaching and executive agency right now in football. It's a very impressive agency. Trace Armstrong has built this thing up, um, and 
it, you know, it, it's one of the reasons why I keep pointing out, why would he leave that to come take over the Bears? Well, he's basically served as the uh, director of football operations here for the Bears uh, without having to leave his business. Absolutely. He's getting paid either way, right? It's, uh, yeah, he's getting his cut. <laughs> so if you're not following, Matt Nagy, Trace Armstrong client out. Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, Trace Armstrong clients in for the Chicago Bears. Yes. Um, and uh, the, another more subtle uh, connection, but the Colts linebackers coach, who obviously works right under Eberflus, linebackers coach for the defense coordinator, right, um, is the brother of uh, Mike Berganzi, who is the assistant general manager in Kansas City right now. So there's another connection there um, between coworkers and family, and it, it, it all it all intertwines at some point. Um, so I I think there's enough there that this isn't just like Ryan Pace calling up Sean Payton uh, and being like, "Hey, they're trying to get me to hire John Fox. What do you think about him?" And of course, Sean Payton knows John Fox and says some nice things. And you know, I, I it, it's different than that. Um, but time will tell here, right? Uh, it, results will matter. Stories will end up coming out later, and uh, we'll see on this. In terms of the candidate, I'll get back to what I got sidetracked before, which is that a lot of a lot of people I respect in football. I don't know Matt Eberflus, okay, and I don't know Ryan Poles at this point. We'll get to know these guys, but a lot of people I respect in football have really good things to say about Matt Eberflus, and like I just did a live under center podcast with Olin Krutz and Olin when Olin Krutz says that Rod Marinelli's word matters. So if Rod Marinelli is going back or uh, backing up and, and saying really good things about Eberflus as a coach, Olin Krutz is listening to that because he respects what Rod Marinelli has to say. Like that's a voice that carries weight that has the credibility that matters. So, there are some connections there to the past, the Lovey Smith era, uh, and a lot of that has to do with Matt Eberflus coaching with Rod Marinelli in Dallas, and um, so I think there's some good things there. Yeah, Eberflus was Marinelli's linebackers coach for several years, and it just always strikes me how it's certain things just come back. You know, as the story goes, Rod Marinelli told Phil Emery that his choice, if he had to make it, would be Bruce Arians over Mark Tressman. Now, Bruce, uh, Rod Marinelli was never going to stay, but he sat in in those interviews of Arians and Tressman, and Arians was his pick back then, as the story goes. So just always interesting how things always go, <laughs> come around with Chicago Bears. Well, and I get some of the comments coming in here um, that every coach that gets hired and every GM that gets hired – um, I see Kevin Fishbane in the comments too. Again, Kevin, if you want to jump in here, uh, you know, Kent will get you the link. Um, Send it, Kent. But no, it's a completely fair point that like anytime you hire anyone, uh, the Chicago Bears are going to put a story out and says all these people from Kansas City have great things to say about Ryan Poles. Well, of course they do. I, so I get that. So I, I want to be very clear. One of the distinctions I'm making here, I didn't come out here and spit out all these nice comments that were said about Ryan Poles. What I'm saying is people I respect personally that like Rod Marinelli's voice, if Rod Marinelli is going to vouch or Chris Ballard is going to vouch for this guy, that carries some weight to me. I'm just talking about personally. 
Um, I don't know all these people talking about Ryan Pulse. I don't, you know, I don't know his high school coach or his, uh, I don't know who else people have talked to. Um, Matt Ryan. You know Matt Ryan. Yeah, Matt Ryan. Okay, but even in, I don't counts. know Matt Ryan. I, you know, Matt Ryan seems like a nice guy. It seems like his word should carry some weight, but I don't know him personally. What I'm saying is there are people in this situation with Matt Eberflus that talk very, very highly of him, and that does carry weight. I also like, because you and I covered this and are very familiar with it, we hear that Matt Eberflus uses a lot of that same language and principles. When we talk about culture and accountability, uh, running to the football. What did we see with the Bears? We saw, with Lovey Smith, we saw a defense that always gang-tackled. Everybody running full speed on every single play to make the play, whether it was made or not, the effort was there. And they got loafs, that was the term. Yep. And Matt Eberflus uses that Graded term. by it. Graded. Yes. Their, their loafing was graded. That, that is a term that Eberflus uses, got it from Rod Marinelli, the loafs. The reason why that matters, well, you guys remember that uh, 2013 Week 17 game against the Packers when that ball was sitting on the ground and nobody went after it? Like, the culture immediately changed when those guys left. Some of the players were still the same, but the coaches were different. The accountability changed. So from that standpoint, uh, if this is what this guy stands for and he's going to bring some of that back to Chicago... I think it's a good hire. Now, we can get all the offensive stuff, sure, and we will. But from that standpoint, I think there are things to be positive about. Absolutely. 100%. It's that word nostalgic again. And (laughs) you can't help but wonder what George McCaskey felt when he was hearing all these things. And and again, I want to stress, this was not George McCaskey's hire. Can we make that apparent? And I know there's going to be skepticism because this is... Of the 17 coaches in Bears history, you know this is like George McCaskey's fifth? That's a bad percentage. Oh. 17 coaches in Bears history, this is the fifth under George McCaskey, and they just started in 2011. So a lot of a lot of reasons for, for skepticism, um, but I'm sure he liked hearing some of the things that he heard back in the day with Lovey Smith. And I, I still vividly remember the, the emotion that McCaskey showed when Lovey Smith was fired. You remember that press conference in the Muggs Auditorium? Yes, I do. Yes. And he yeah. was talking about how um, he's talking about his emotions, how tears were shed. You could hear uh, that emotion in his voice inflection right there in the bottom of the stairs of the Muggs Auditorium. So just thinking about all those things, that nostalgic feel. And it's not even that old, but that Lovey Smith winning culture or that type of culture seems to be coming back to Hallis Hall now. By the way, the official word is Kevin Fishbane's too busy to join us. <laughs> no, he's not. Wow. He's not. Wow. Anyway, uh, who cares? I mean, we got people here in the comments t- saying he should be the offensive coordinator. People want Kevin. People want the fish man, the fish dad. And he's uh, he's letting you guys down. Let's just let, let the record show. Uh, I okay. think one commenter said he was loafing, which is a Ooh. great use of current topics. Very topical. Yeah. Um, and another someone else says, where's our friend? Oh, he's busy diagramming plays. He's now communicating to us in the comments. Jeez. Someone asked where Patrick Finley is. Uh, where, where's our friend Patrick Finley? I don't know. All right. Um. 
Now, completely fair concerns. You are now hiring a first-time head coach again. You are hiring a defensive head coach. What does that mean for Justin Fields? Who the hell is going to be the OC? And that is uh, that's a big that's a big question because and it's and it's hard to thread the needle because you hire an OC who has a lot of success right away with Justin Fields, probably going to be a head coaching candidate soon. You hire an OC that doesn't work out, then you have a revolving door of OCs coming uh, in and out of the building, and that the Bears have lived that already uh, many many times. So you don't want that either. So this is a big question. I don't necessarily have the answer as we record this live uh, just a couple hours after the hire is made, but um, it's probably the number one thing on deck right now that they got to figure out. Well, if you are returning to Lovey era dynamics, Adam, we know how that played out. Coordinator after coordinator for Jay Cutler. Mm -hmm. From him yelling to, you know, back at Mike Martz to... Who else was in here? Adam, well, Adam Gase came later with John Fox, but the the many names who ran the Bears' offense, you want to avoid that. Now, it, it happens with defensive-minded coaches. You, you do see that around the league, but let's go to, how about Dan Quinn, for example, since we talked about him at length this morning. He had a great hire immediately in Kyle Shanahan. Didn't work yeah. out well in his first year, but by his second, Kyle Shanahan was head coaching candidate because of the success of that offense. And we see what Kyle Shanahan is, is doing now, but he had a great offensive staff. Matt LaFleur, Mike LaFleur, Mike McDaniel. They were all on Dan Quinn's first coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball. But things change. When Shanahan was out, the two guys that came in to replace him, they didn't pan out. And before you knew it, Dan Quinn was in Dallas looking for jobs. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, now, there was, uh, I think Albert Breer put out there that there's going to be a a good look at the Kyle Shanahan tree. You know what that means? Your guy, Mike McDaniel. Our guy, Mike McDaniel. It's not just my guy. I have I have brought you into this. It's fine. I'll, I don't know I'll why. Be, well, I'm on the pod, so I have to be. Yes. you. Yeah, who's my guy is now your guy. Um. But that that would be a first time play caller, would it not be? Uh, yes. Well, and that would be the only reason why he you would you would hire him. You would even have the opportunity to hire him because True. otherwise he's already the offensive coordinator. True. Forty nine. Well, it should be noted that Kyle Shanahan's availability for Dan Quinn in twenty fifteen involved him getting out of his contract in Cleveland prior to that. Yeah, and Cleveland was just a mess that year. I think was it Shanahan part of that staff? Staff that drafted uh, Johnny Football. Yeah, I believe Johnny he Manziel. Was. I believe he was. Um. So yeah, and, and you know, now you can't block assistance anymore from interviewing for coordinator jobs. That's a big. That's a big key. But if you're already a coordinator, whether you play calling responsibilities or not, I think that that doesn't matter. I think that you still have to get permission. Um, and they can block you. So uh, we'll see. By the way, did you see that Deadspin story on Mike McDaniel? No bueno. Oh, oh man. Yikes. Um, it was just a terribly uh, done thing. It wasn't a – it, it kind of was supposed to be a hit piece, I think, but it was just like 
really poorly researched and not done well. So um, maybe maybe a name to keep in mind or not. Regardless, the Bears have to get that higher right. Um, I mean, they really have to get all these hires right. And, and, and you know what, Adam? Like, continue to get it right. Yeah. Like, develop your own little tree here in some sense. Right. Like, whoever you hire as your quarterback's coach under the O.C., you should be prepared for that guy to step up and be the offense coordinator yeah, if the yeah, offense coordinator yeah. has enough success to get another job. Ask him to bring a buddy. And, and I know that term, like, look, ask him to bring a highly regarded younger colleague that could run the quarterback's room in a sense because you're going to need some type of contingency plan if this coordinator works out well with Justin Fields because if Adam Gase can get a job for Jay Cutler's 92.3 passer rating in 2014, right? That's the right year. Then whoever succeeds with Justin Fields can get a job elsewhere too. So just keep that in mind, Matt Eberflus. Yeah. Um, someone else in the comments put out uh, Joe Brady's name. Trace Armstrong tree. There you go. Uh, maybe. Uh, that didn't really go so well on Carolina, though. Yeah, but Sam Darnold was his quarterback. Yeah. Um, Pep Hamilton's name has come up. I feel like Pep Hamilton's name always comes up with the Bears. It's true. Um, But, you know, there's the connection there to India, I think. Uh, So, we'll we'll see. But um, that's a completely fair concern at this point. But let me just say, I am not against the idea of having a defensive Head coach, you know, I, I I go back to the criteria that I laid out the laid out at the start of this. First and foremost, has to be a good leader, has to be respected by players, has to have an identity for his program. Okay, I, from everyone we've talked to from Indy, and I would encourage people to go back and listen to our Stephen Holder episode from a couple weeks ago uh, when we were talking about Morocco Brown, but we also talked about Matt Eberflus in that episode. The returns, the early word, and again, this is not just from people who always have nice things to say. Like, this is stuff behind the scenes conversations that I think we have had with people more off the record where they're going to tell you the truth. And everything I've been told about Matt Eberflus from that standpoint is very, very positive. And I think that's a, one of the things we're going to hear from the Bears in terms of identity, accountability, um, the things he believes in, the principles he believes in philosophies as a as a coach I think that's going to check out at the top now number two on my list was the, the OC the the what you're going to do with Justin Fields and that's a big question mark here and then the third thing was keeping the defense intact well I think you're going to see the defense be okay because they're hiring a defensive head coach uh, who's had a lot of success so you know to find a candidate that really hits all three of those is really really hard to do because in one way, you're either going offense or defense. If you get the OC higher right, this can work. And here's the thing. If you get the quarterback right, it's definitely going to work. Now, the, now, I'm not saying by any means is Justin Fields shown enough that he's a sure thing at this point. But the signs are there. He was a first-round pick. The talent is there. The uncoachable traits are there. So if you're right at quarterback, and again, you have Ryan Pace to thank for that, it's it's okay to have some changes at coordinator. Um, you don't want a lot of them, but I think you get my point. Yeah. 
Can, can um, I just point out a couple differences between him and Matt Nagy as well? Because they're both first year head coaches. Sure. The like. <laughs> well, it's just. No, I, don't no, I, so I'm annoyed. sure you have a. I, I'm, I'm just kind of sick of that. Like, not not no, just people complaining it, it, about that because Lovey Smith no, was the first time head no, coach. No, but he, too. but here's to to your point though. Literally, you just made it. So let's strengthen it. That Matt Eberflus's voice was the strongest on defense. Matt Nagy's voice was never the strongest in offense. Good point. In Kansas City, Matt Eberflus had autonomy in Kansas City, and I also think it's a positive that he didn't actually come up in that Frank Wright, Chris Ballard kind of way. He was hired by Josh McDaniels, mm-hmm. who later bailed on the Colts and stuck with the Patriots, but then he won them over. Year after year after year with the top 10 defense, if you look at football outsiders rankings, DVOA, top 10 every year, or 11 one year, but he won them over to the point where Chris Ballard is banging on the table for him to get a head coaching job in his old town of Chicago. So I think that's just a notable difference in terms of that leader of men, characteristic in in terms of accountability, identity, that some of those things have been established, in a sense, by that Colts defense that was run by Eberflus. Yeah, I think that that's... And you thought I was going elsewhere. You were about to get annoyed. No, I didn't. I was getting annoyed at the like the fact that you even had to address it because it's just... I don't know. You can't just be mad at first-time head coaches. I, I think I'm not. All, no. No, I know you're not. I'm talking about the people that... like Some people are just dismissing this altogether because they didn't want to see another first-time head coach. And I get the concerns, but... If you really look at the candidates that they interviewed as first-time head coaches, I think Matt Eberflus is by far the most qualified. You know, to your point, Nathaniel Hackett getting the Denver Broncos job, he wasn't the biggest offensive voice in Green wasn't Bay. Wasn't a play caller. Wasn't a play caller. So you know that's 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 a big difference. Um. So yeah, I just. No one knows how this thing's going to work out, but just don't dismiss it because he's 51 years old. He's been in the league for a long time. He's learned under some really, really good coaches. And, 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 and most of these, a lot of his former players will tell you that, that he, he's made for this to be a head, to be a head coach. I, I like that he's coached in Dallas too. And the spotlight's always on the Cowboys. You got pressure from ownership. It's just a unique environment because I think he Chicago's... Know, he, he knows how to lose home playoff games. <laughs> that too. But it's just, you know, it's just some unique experiences to have, especially coming to this town. I mean, this town will eat you alive. Chicago will. And we've seen it spit out players. You know, it's being able to handle some of that... I hate the word adversity because I feel like it's overused, but some of that scrutiny, yeah, should benefit them. All right, let's. Uh, we should take some uh, questions from our viewers um, before we get out of here. And uh, so, Kent, if you can drop the link into the comments and uh, line those things up, you sh- if you're if you want to jump in and ask us a question, that link is now in the comments, and you can click on that, and then uh, Kent will drop you in here as you come in. But uh, I think one of the other things we have to talk about, John's in the meantime, is anticipating a scheme change here defensively. Um, I think that this is uh, not going to be that big of a deal because 
uh, for one, teams are in nickel so much right now anyway that um, most defenses at this point are hybrid. However, there's still something you said for the base defense you learn. Like, these guys are going to have to learn a new defense. Um, and while it's a good thing that your top guys, in my opinion, uh, Roquan Smith, Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, those guys transcend scheme. Like, they're going to be just fine. Uh, in fact, Robert Quinn's probably having a party right now uh, celebrating the fact that he's going to be able to put his hand on the ground more and just rush upfield. Khalil Mack is in Egypt. Um, okay. I did see that on Instagram. Yeah, I'm not making that up. He's, he's no. visiting the pyramids. So he's probably not too concerned about who his new head coach is. He's in Egypt, but... Um, Jalen Johnson, you left and right. Jalen Johnson's fine. Like he's going to be okay in whatever defense he's playing in. Now, I think some of the other examples are where you might have some changes. Eddie Goldman's a nose tackle. You know, is that somebody that three technique? Yeah, is that somebody you move on from? Um, Bilal Nichols, I think, has already shown he can move around the defensive line. Uh, Akeem Hicks can do that if they were to bring him back. What about Travis Gibson, though? A guy that really came on strong in his second year, went from being a five technique in college to a true three, four outside linebacker. Can he put his hand down on the ground now? That's kind of like halfway in between the two positions he's played. I don't know that yet. So I think there's going to be some things like that that come up that we may or may not see these players uh, work out in in a new scheme. I would say Roquan Smith, if you're making predictions, is going to be a superstar in this defense. Well, that's a good point because Darius Leonard's already a superstar and he's going to be the Darius Leonard. I mean, he's already the Darius Leonard of this defense, but now he's going to be in that defense, in that scheme. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. 
hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. And over 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Adam. That's linkedin.com slash Adam to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's go to Kyle now. Kyle, what's up? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, Kyle. Thanks for having me on. Um, So my question, it's about the OC. I know you guys talked about it a little bit, but with a defensive head coach and, you know, Justin Fields and the fact that an OC you think would have play calling autonomy, you would think that this is a highly sought after gig. So we kind of would have the choice of the lot. So would you guys, if you had choice, would you want someone with like head coaching experience, like Caldwell, like the young stud, like Kafka, who, you know, you know, might leave to be a head coach if the offense takes off next season. Do you think like someone like Jim Caldwell would be inclined to stay, you know, not just jump at any head coaching gig that opens up immediately? Yeah, that Jim Caldwell idea has been brought up more than once. I'm trying to wrap my my mind around it, though. Like, he he was the first finalist interviewed on Tuesday, and he is 67 years old. I, I just cannot see him returning to the NFL to be an offensive coordinator. He's already been out of the league for a couple of years. Um, I mean, sure, it makes sense. Maybe Bill Polian can, can do some convincing there, but I don't know. Hogue, do you feel any differently? No, I I, uh, I, I feel like Jim Caldwell would be, would be stronger as um, a quarterback coach type guy rather than the coordinator, if that makes sense, and actually calling the plays. And I and, and for, for part of the reason um that Kyle just brought up, I mean this should be a very highly sought after job. And I think that there are a number of very highly qualified uh OCs out there right now that do not have play calling responsibilities. That um I think there's a pool there that you can pick from as long as they can, you know, contractually make it happen. Uh, like that, and that's I think where Mike Kafka comes in. So I, I'd probably rather go the route of somebody um, that's maybe a little bit more up and coming that than than Jim Caldwell is at this point. But I if mean, you, you want to hire Jim Caldwell as the, a quarterbacks coach, fine. You, you do see interesting moves around the league as, as things play out. I, I think, like if I'm Matt Eberflus, I want to try to find a young up and comer. But at the same time, look at John Harbaugh. I mean, he had Jim Caldwell as his offensive coordinator, won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. Then Mark Chesman went, went through there. I mean, these defensive-minded coaches, or in Harbaugh's case, a special teams coordinator, they go through different guys. And different coaches are available for different reasons at different times. Um, we'll see how it plays out. I, I just hope it's not a, a, that's this this awful revolving door that we saw play out with with Jay Cutler. Now part part of that could just be Jay Cutler. Maybe Justin Fields is a bit different. Maybe he's a bit more transcendent. Maybe he's a bit more for lack of a better way of putting it, a bit more coachable, but we'll see. Yeah, and one thing like I, someone just pointed out in the comments like how does Jim Carl Caldwell potentially go from a head coaching candidate to um quarterbacks coach well he's also don't out. forget what he also said are you smoking <laughs> i'm not smoking i'm not are you, and he said are you smoking smoking yes I, i'm not um are you smoking smoking i'm just wondering are you um it, it's all about demand it's it, it, it's not like he's some huge hot 
head coaching candidate. He interviewed with the Jaguars, and his buddy Bill Polian made him a finalist here in Chicago. Like It's not like he has a long list of teams that are lined up to sign him, even as an OC. And I don't even know the last time he called plays. So years ago. Yeah. Um, let's go to David now. Hey guys, how you guys doing? Big What's fan up, of the dude? show. Thanks, man. We uh this is something that um you guys just kind of alluded to earlier. You know, I think the narrative around Bill Polian, you know, being involved in hiring a general manager in Chicago was the fact that once he found the GM that he was not gonna be involved in the head coaching, you know, decision-making. And I guess a lot of Bears fans were really mad about how that played out in 2015 when they hired Ryan Pace. You know, they really, you know, I guess, um, Ernie Acorsi really had a, you know, the, the whole organization and Ernie Acorsi were really intrigued in bringing John Fox, whether Ryan Pace wanted it to happen or not. Now, Matt Eberflus comes from Indianapolis. Is there a clear connection or or yeah, is there a clear connection between Bill Polian and Matt Eberflus in that Bill Polian actually was maybe more involved in making this, you know, was he actually in, in slightly involved in making this head coaching decision? Well, he definitely had input in the call me your your, your early lists. Um, but my understanding is by the end of it, I mean, he's not even at Hallis Hall, guys, right now. He's not. Yeah. He's not. Ryan Poles ran these final three interviews. They were his decisions to make, his questions to ask, all that stuff. Um, I get the concerns about using an advisor again, but I, I think at some point it just stopped. I, I really do. And you can believe me if you want or not, but the guy's not at Hallis Hall. Well, Ryan Poles is. Yeah, I hope that's what happened because that was the mistake the Bears made last time. And they had to bring in an advisor. Like, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and I talked about it before they even fired Pace and Nagy. Who was going to be the one doing the hiring, right? Like, you had to bring in somebody like Bill Polian. Otherwise, this was going to come down to George and Ted again. Um, So I had no problem with them bringing somebody in. But the problem is, once you hire your football guy then... That's your new football guy. Get out of the so, way. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate all your insight. You've you've had your look at all of these head coaching candidates that they interviewed at the same time. Here's all the information. You hand it over to the new football guy, Ryan Poles, and you let him do his job. And, and, and from the sounds of it, I think they got that right this time. Hope they got that right this time. You know, I, I get the skepticism because the, the Bears warrant it. Again, fifth head coach under George McCaskey, second advisor. I understand it. Third general manager. It's it's just how things ha- ha- have played out for him. Um, you can look at the timeline and see that Eberflus was a finalist before polls was even interviewed. But I'm sure it's going to come out probably tomorrow when we meet Eberflus and polls for the first time that polls was high on Eberflus. That his name was discussed in their initial interview, and I'm sure the Bears liked what they heard. And again, as as Adam here pointed out, Hogue, that is things got pushed back, so polls can meet with him again. I also like that he met with him in person yesterday, and then after that, he talked to somebody else, Dan then he, Quinn. Then he talked to Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn was the hottest name on the coaching circuit this year. Six interview requests. He's turning down the Jaguars. He doesn't need the attention. 
something to consider. It's interesting though he's he he's not considering the Giants anymore, where he's yeah. supposedly a finalist. Yeah. Um, you, but, you know, but maybe that means he truly wanted the Bears job, didn't get it, and that's he's going to be picky. I, I do want to bring up something. So on our earlier podcast, we interviewed Jeff Schultz, who covers the Falcons and many other teams in Atlanta, and he pointed out that in Atlanta, Quinn actually had to sign off on Thomas Dimitrioff. That Quinn actually had control over the 53, and that he played a huge role in personnel. I'm just speculating here, but you almost wonder if some of those things came up here and you have a first-time GM. I'm sure Ryan Poles, as much as he liked Dan Quinn, didn't want to relinquish the power over the 53. Yeah, it's possible. I'm not so sure Dan Quinn was making those demands again, though. You never know. Possible. Possible. All right, let's go to – let's at least get one more in, maybe two. Uh, Yash. What's up, Yash? Hey, okay, Jansi. Uh, coming at you all the way from Mumbai, India, where it's like 1.20 in the morning. But I'm Come so on, excited. this is awesome. Really, this is awesome. Uh, so thank you guys for all that you do. Um, my question was that I was wondering that now, so that we're shifting to a 4-3, what happens to the linebackers? I know Roquan will be fine as the mic. Can Ogletree play the will? Can Do we keep Bravathan? Can he play um, uh, on, on the, on the uh, Sam? Uh, we just let go of Ieg Bunuwe, so um, do we get someone in free agency? Do we draft someone? Uh, yeah, yeah, just my thoughts on that. And thank you, Berdan. Thanks for yeah, the question. I, I, I think, I, I, I personally think that Roquan Smith, you know, I get that there's going to be obsession over the, the mic and the will here, but that, that weak side linebacker, which is so important to that scheme, Roquan Smith can handle a Lance Briggs role. Lance Briggs role. Why can't he? I mean, he can handle the middle too. He can do everything. Depend that. I mean, that's that's part of what they're going to have to figure out is do you put him? Do you put him in the middle, or Darius Leonard plays the will, um, in in Indianapolis? But it's um, that's a. I think I think that's the biggest thing about switching back to a four three that you have to work out is those linebackers. Absolutely. Um, who do you bring in? I, you know, regardless of what Danny Trevathan can do, I, I just feel like it's kind of the. I, I think it's the end of his career the, physically. The page is turning. Yeah, so um, I think you have to go. So there's going to be some new faces there, absolutely. Um, and uh, it's probably the biggest need, <laughs> honestly. As you as you look at that, de- well, I don't want to say biggest need because they still got to upgrade the secondary. They still need another corner, uh, definitely. And uh, and you know the safety could be upgraded as well. But that that linebacker spot in terms of transitioning the defense, uh, where do you put Roquan? Who else do you put a, put around him? Will be a, a huge focus here and something we talk a lot about on this podcast in the next couple of months. Well, if we're just sticking to Tampa 2 principles. I think it was Tony Dungy who once said that you need that three technique. You need that weak side linebacker. And you need that strong safety, that rangy safety. And we know that he had it. In Tampa with Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, and John Lynch. All Hall of Famers. And we saw what the Bears did with Brian Ur- Oh, Brian Urlacher was in the middle, but um Lovey kind of expanded that, you know, being able to drop him over the, the middle of the field there. But you had it with Lance Briggs, Mike Brown was here for a bit, Tommy Harris. You can see where this is going if that's where the Bears wanna go. I mean, who knows? Maybe Uberfoos has different ideas, but I think we know where this is going. Yeah, and one thing I'd be careful about is, uh, I, look, I, I, 
I have concerns like other people do about Khalil Mack's health going forward. Um, you know, how much time Robert Quinn really has left in his career. But for this defense to work, you need to win with four. You need to rush with four uh, and not have to blitz a whole lot. And that's kind of how the system works. So it's one thing that Matt Eberflus had in Indy was DeForest Buckner. But he didn't necessarily have huge sack guys on the outside rushing the quarterback. Uh, I, in fact, I think he only had one double-digit sack guy in four years. So the point I'm, 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 I'm making on that one is you got Robert Quinn and you got Khalil Mack. Like that could go a long way to making this thing work uh, relatively quickly. Just think of Julius Peppers in this defense. Yeah. Um, we have Chris. Chris is next. All right. Yeah, let's go to Chris. Oh, me. Uh, hi. <laughs> What's up, Chris? Uh, no, uh, not much. How are you guys doing? Very good, good man. What's going on? Uh, so, hey, I had a question. Uh, there was a lot of uh, stuff about, like, the Bears and what their identity was, you know, during the last couple of years. It seems to me that, like, with the Eberflus hire, you know, with him being a defensive coordinator – it seems like the Bears are trying to answer that question. Like, this is who we are, and this is how we've always been. Um, that, to me, seems to be, like, a really good uh, thing going for the future. Uh, what do you guys think about that? You think they'll also run the ball more because of that? Thanks. I don't have a problem with that as long as the quarterback works out, right? Because, like, that was – it's true that you had a lot of success with that type of identity before they tried to drastically change it. But they never had the quarterback that could get them over the hump. So I think that's where it comes back to Justin Fields. You know, if if he's really that guy, then yeah, you you don't need to necessarily be the high flying uh, Kansas City Chiefs on offense. But otherwise, I I you know, it, there's still there's still something to be said about the fact that if you really look at the numbers of teams playing in the Super Bowls, their offenses are usually in the top five or top 10 at least. Um, So you still better figure it out offensively if you want this thing to work. And if you just want to compare it to the Colts, I mean, sure, Jonathan Taylor was an MVP candidate, best running back in the league. But then look at the quarterback. I take Justin Fields over Carson Wentz. Sure, the, the development has to come along, and there's a lot for Fields to show, prove, learn, all that stuff. But if you ask me right now, like on paper... I'm taking Justin Fields over Carson Wentz. Absolutely. Um, I don't think is that something that's actually being debated. I don't know. Well, he's from there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm not even sure Carson Wentz is going to be back in Indy for another year. Oh. Good point. Yeah, I, I think we got one more here. All right, uh, Ben. Ben, what's up? What's going on, boys? You got me. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, so we kind of already talked about the defensive changes that are going to be happening uh, with Eberflus coming in. He's obviously going to want to run his style, his defense. What do you guys think that means for Sean Desai? Um, obviously it probably spells the end of him. I don't know if they're going to be able to make it work. If he gets moved to maybe a new role um, or do you, do you think maybe he has a future with another team in the league? Uh, I'm just kind of curious your guys' thoughts on what you think of Desai. Cause I, I don't think he did an awful job given what, you know, what he had to work with this year on defense, the the COVID issues, the awful secondary. Um, so, yeah, just curious of you guys' thoughts, and thank you. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you uh, on Sean Desai. If you talk to um, folks around the league, they were impressed by what he did given what he had and, you know, uh, on the field every single week, especially with the injuries and COVID situations uh, whatnot. But I, I think professionally, it's probably time for him to move on. You know, if you're just speaking about him and what he wants to do, he's been here since Mark Tressman. He has survived John Fox. He has survived Matt Nagy. I think the best step for his career, the next step in his career, is finding another opportunity elsewhere. I th- I do know that he was interviewing for the defensive coordinator job in Seattle. I don't know where that stands at this very moment, but I think he's thought of, he's thought highly enough around the league that he'll have opportunities. And I think at this point, even though he's come up through the Bears organization, starting with Mark Tressman, it's probably best for him to find other opportunities elsewhere. Well, and that's what's interesting, uh, depending on what opportunities he has, and depending on if Matt Eberflus would even be interested in uh, in keeping Sean Desai around. I mean, Sean Desai would almost certainly then have to run his defense. Um, but that's where things do get a little interesting, because remember, when Sean Desai got here, they were running something closer to this defense. It's true. Um, and one of the great things about Sean Desai that's been so impressive over the years is how he has been through different schemes, learned different things, been through all those different head coaches, and picked up a lot of things along the way. That being said, I think he really picked up a lot for Vic Fangio. And really like that's been well documented at this point that if it comes down to his preference, he's probably running that style defense. Um and if and he what can if have Vic, his- yeah, what if Vic Fangio gets that Jaguars job? Yeah, he probably won't, but I guess it's possible. It, it, but that's to your point. Like, I, I think he'll have opportunities to run, continue to stay in that defense and have success in other places to continue his coaching career. And I'm not sure he's necessary, unless he really doesn't want to move his family. Like, there's always, there's always other considerations. Like, he may not want to move his family. Um, he you may tell be okay. me the coaches are people too. Yeah, he 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 may want to see it through with some of these players that he has relationships with. He may be open to going back to some of the defensive stuff he learned before. But I, what I would say is, I, I'd say it's unlikely he sticks around. But I wouldn't completely rule it out because of his history here. Secondary coach. That I mean, that's what I find it hard to believe. Is like would. Unless Matt Eberflus is really, really impressed with Sean Desai, just what he did this year, don't you think Matt Eberflus is going to want to bring in a coordinator? And also, Desai would almost surely have to retain uh, play calling. Like, I can't see him taking a step back, right? staying here and then not calling the plays. And I, we, at this point, we don't passing know... passing game coordinator? Yeah. I don't know. You see these titles expand for different reasons. But he could go do that. Like, don't you feel like Brandon Staley would hire him and... LA, you know, or wherever Vic Fangio ends up, he would hire like if he has to take a step back, he could take a step back elsewhere. Um I don't know. And, and that's gonna be one of the first questions to Matt Eberflus. Like, how are you gonna run your defense? Who's calling the plays? Are you gonna call the plays? Are you gonna let somebody else come in and do it? How's that gonna work? It's gotta be somebody he trusts. Yeah. Um maybe uh that connection with uh is it Who's the, the the linebackers coach in Indy? 
Maybe he's Berganzi. ready for, Yeah, Berganzi. He's got the connection to Ryan Poles. Maybe that's something they bring in to be the DC. It's like an easy connection, isn't it? Like the yeah. the brothers, the assistant GM of the Chiefs, and it's just, yeah, those. That's how the NFL works. Sometimes people roll their eyes at it, but it does. That's how it works. Yeah. So, um, I think another question is Chris Tabor. Special teams, you can keep running special teams the same way, um, and I would not mess with that if Tabor's here and willing to stay and. Uh, Matty Eberflus is willing to keep him around. I would keep Chris Tabor. How many interviews has he had? Well, we know Two he's interviewed there. He's interviewed in uh, Carolina. I can't imagine the Bears would grant some position to talk to the Packers. Do they officially fire their special teams coordinator yet? Well, maybe he's out of contract. Who? Tabor? Tabor. Oh, I thought it was out there that he wasn't. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, Nagy got five years. Usually coordinators get four. Mm. Yeah, we'll have to figure that out. But um, if possible, I would keep Chris Tabor, given what, what's been going on there. A fellow special teams coordinator sticking up for another. That's right. But I'm with you. I'm with you. One of the local writers, Adam Hoagie or Hogg, excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. All right, good stuff. Hey, this thing's over. I think we got another podcast coming this week. Oh, man. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, we'll probably have to do one after the press conference. Um, which we don't know. Technically, this hire is not official yet. We don't know when the press conference is. I think it'd probably be tomorrow, but... Yeah. And maybe Eberflus, you know, he's driving back from Indy or something. Yeah. Like, these guys leave town. Maybe he's listening to us on I-65 right now. Sorry about that. The I-65 drives bad enough. Oh, going to do it next month. Yep. Mr. Eberflus going back to Indianapolis for the combine. I hope so. I hope there's a real combine. We'll see. Yeah, same. All right. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. Johnsy's on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Uh, appreciate everybody watching on YouTube. Again, if you're listening to this as a podcast, find us on YouTube. Subscribe to the Hogan Johns channel. Appreciate everybody who has done that. Thanks for everyone jumping in with questions today. Always good stuff. Uh, we'll continue to keep trying to do that here throughout the offseason. And uh, check out the merch. Obviousshirts.com. I'm telling you, those beanies, the winter. We got the winter gear up there for you. Oh, we needed it yesterday. Oh, man, yes. I'm telling you, that one hat that has the lining in it, it's the one that, if you look, there's two winter hats up there. The one that does not have the little ball ball pom-pom thing on the top, um, that's the one that has the fleece in lining. Super warm. Super warm. Although, I could also just live without having negative eight-degree days. That helped too. All right, we're out of here. We, uh, we'll probably talk to you after the press conference. See you then. See ya. I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator.